Hello everyone, just a quick reminder, if you want your Delicious in Dungeon reflections included in the first Euphonious in Dungeon episode, I will need those thoughts in by Thursday, February 29th. The episode should drop on March 7th, the next Thursday. Thank you. Before jumping into Collins, I'm going to talk about a game a little bit. This one is an engine builder. The Collins will be talking about deck builders, so it's tangentially related. But the game is Splendor, so let's get to it. Splendor is a game for two to four players. It takes about a half hour or so to play. It says it's for 10 plus. I find that my eight-year-old can play it. What we tend to do is, this won't make as much sense until things are explained, but I will give my youngest two cards to start and my oldest one card to start, and then I'll start with zero cards. But I might reduce uh, my youngest down to one card to start and my oldest to no cards and maybe a token or two to start. And now I will try to explain what I mean by all this. So in the game, you are a Renaissance merchant trying to get as much prestige as possible. There's two ways to get prestige points. Some of the cards that you're trying to purchase, those cards are essentially gem mines, M-I-N-E-S. Some of those will have prestige points on them. And then there's also three nobles that are chosen at random that will give you uh, points as well, prestige points. If you can get the right combination of gem mines that they're looking for, then you kind of get the noble, they're kind of like your patron or something, and you get the prestige points for them. The first person to get 15 prestige points wins the game. So on your turn, you do one action. You can either pick up different colored tokens in different combinations. You can reserve one of the mine cards, or you can buy one of the mine cards. Each of those mine cards are going to have different combination of gem tokens that are required to purchase it. And once you purchase that mine, it will replace the need for a particular token. So if you have like a ruby mine, that would be a red token matching colors. Now you have uh, a way of having an automatic red token because you own that mine. So this is kind of the engine building thing. You purchase the mines and then instead of needing those tokens all the time, now you have the mines to be able to purchase other things in place of the tokens. So on your turn, you would either grab a combination of tokens or purchase a mine or reserve a mine. You kind of set it aside, you want to buy it, but you don't have the stuff, but you don't want somebody else to buy it before you do, so you can reserve the mine. When you reserve the mine, you get a particular gold token. You can use it to replace any of those other gems. And that's kind of it, really. You know, you have to start small with the lower tier gems. Typically, they don't have any prestige points, so you have to kind of build some of those up so that you can then use those to get to the next tier of cards to purchase from. So then you kind of purchase those and then there's another tier which are really expensive and they'll give you a lot of prestige. 
and you're trying to get the right combinations of gem mines to attract those nobles. So having those nobles, you might have a strategy you're working on, and then somebody purchases the card that you are going to purchase next, and then you have to backpedal and figure out what you're going to do. Once somebody purchases a card or reserves a card, then a new card flips over. So sometimes you might even get a better card that way, but you just never know. So hopefully that makes sense. And hopefully now you understand, like, giving my daughter two cards to start, two gem mines. She already has some tokens to start with, so that kind of helps her have a head start. But since she's younger, cognitively, she's not able to think as strategic, so that kind of helps balance things out pretty well. Daniel from Bandit's Keep and Jason from the Nerds RPG Variety Cast both of them called in to they talk about my little pony and deck building a little bit for each i will also play another message jason sent more about deck building games in general and we'll do my responses to those hey mark daniel brandon's keep calling in so the my little pony card game amazing you know i'm not a deck builder person i guess i you mentioned actually the the real classic one that people like i actually played it at gen con and i realized about halfway through the game which was luckily only an hour long game that this was not for me <laughs> i find that stuff way more complicated than any rpg i've ever tried but cool i, I was actually thinking you were going to be running the my little pony rpg which i've played in uh, my friend ran it for us. <laughs> There's an actual play of it. Uh, we all played My Little Pony characters, which was very, very fun. I ended up buying the system, but I haven't run it since. It, it wasn't bad. It was like a, if I remember right, it's like a D20 system. But anyways, it was it was fun to play. I know very little about it, um, the culture or whatever, My Little Pony, but, uh, you know, whatever. It's fantasy stuff, right? You're playing little horses and unicorns and stuff. Why not? So that's cool. Hey, Mark, Jason here. Enjoyed your latest episode. I have not seen that deck building game. That's pretty cool. So we got into deck building. We missed Dominion, but got in with Thunderstone and bought a ton of the Thunderstone sets and even up through some of the Thunderstone events. There's another one maybe a decade ago called Shadow Rift that I really enjoyed. I liked it a little better than Thunderstone. It maybe wasn't perfectly balanced. There were a couple things that were a little bit off. But like I say, balance-wise with Shadow Rift, but I really like the idea of that one. Um, of course, now deck-building games are all the rage, and you've got them for everything. Um, never really liked the Marvel of DC one. Sentinels of the Multiverse is my ideal superhero board game slash deck-building game. I love, love Sentinels of the Multiverse. Great, great game. As far as My Little Pony goes, I, I know she stopped podcasting for a little while, but friend of all of us over in New Zealand, Jules, does the Jules from NZ podcast. And Jules is now back podcasting again, so check her show out. Great show. She does live streaming and podcasting and plays D&D and Pathfinder and all that stuff. And um, last year, Jules did a play-by-podcast of My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. And she, uh, Tales from Equestria, and she ran that. And when it got to a decision point, a bunch of us would call in and say what we wanted the ponies to do. And a bunch of, um, you know, at least people that think they're big burly guys played in that game. So I, I wouldn't typecast too harshly. <laughs> Anyhow, great episode. Talk to you. I hope things settle down at home soon. 
Take care, and I'll talk to you soon. Hey, Merck, I just wanted to say, so I mentioned the Marvel deck-building game, the legendary deck-building game, and I've been out of board games for, you know, 10, 15 years. But the Marvel one, I, I wasn't that thrilled with, probably because you didn't play the characters directly. You played, like, a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent directing the superheroes. But I do like some of the legendary games. I thought, and I think they might have called them legendary encounters, but the... Aliens game and the, the Predator game were really strong, very well done. You can even play Alien v. Predator in those. But I thought those were great implementations of that system. And I do really like those. I still have those. I've got, I think, all the, you know, they did Firefly, they did X-Files, they did um, James Bond. But I, it, you know, I always say I'm going to sell games and, and they sit there because I'm too lazy to sell them. But when I do get around to selling them, I will sell all the Marvel stuff, but I'll definitely be keeping the Alien stuff because the Aliens is really well done uh, for the Legendary series of deck building games. Thank you, Daniel and Jason. I will also put Jules from NZ in the podcast description if you want to check out Jules' podcast. So that legendary Marvel deck builder game was my first exposure to a deck builder. I can't remember how long ago it was, and I can't remember too much about the experience. But being my first deck builder, I you know, it was a novel way of playing a game. So I'm sure I was stimulated by that. I haven't played Thunderstone. I haven't played Shadow Rift. If I'm looking for another deck builder, I might have to try the uh, the Alien. Well. Maybe more the Predator one. I was definitely a fan of Predator, more so than Alien. That's another one of those movies. <laughs> That's another one of those movies I would watch in the, you know, passing through the living room, being a little frightened of the uh, the Predator, especially since you can't see him. But yeah, thanks for those suggestions. I have played Dominion once, uh, just the base game. And honestly, that seemed fairly complicated to me, but... I, I tend not to have a mind for that, at least at first. So in the introduction to this episode, the game I focus on is Splendor, which is an engine building game, tangentially related to a deck builder. At first I had a hard time grappling with the strategy to you know, build the engine and get the prestige points you need. So I think it just takes a few times playing for me to catch on. So... I think I'd have to try Dominion a couple more times to really give a, uh, you know, to to say, like, maybe it isn't as complicated once you, once you learn not just the rules, but the cards and everything. But with Dominion, there's a bunch of expansions, so I'm sure as soon as you get the, uh, the rules down, then you could start adding a whole lot more complications on top of it. But like I said before, I like Hero Realms as a deck builder. If I'm going to play a deck builder, I'd prefer something like that. Because it's got the fantasy flavor that I like, it also, uh, you can play it cooperative, or you can play it solo. More adventure, less math. I guess that's my speed. Uh, you also mentioned selling the games, Jason. And yeah, I have a hard time parting with my games. I, and I suppose part of it is the, the whole process of putting them up somewhere for sale and shipping or whatever 
you know, I, I value board games too much to just like put them on a garage sale for five bucks or something ridiculous. So I tend to hold on to the games. But what's nice is the girls are growing into them. They're aging into being able to play more and more games. So that's that's fun. That's exciting. Thank you, Jason, for hoping that things calm down around here. Um, I the the craziness just keeps kind of morphing more than going away, and I've just kind of realized podcasting helps give me a, a level of peace in some ways. I you know I need to balance how much time it takes, but when I find those few quiet moments, I record and edit and go from there. And maybe once the craziness does die down, that we can get stuff in order. Uh, maybe actually starting like a, a game night thing again. That would be a lot of fun. But that feels like it's far off. But who knows? Keeping episodes small and simple seems to be helping as well. And I think I'm just going to end it right there for that reason. Thank you all for listening, and take care. Thank you.